Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Everything USC podcast on Believe, the number one content network for professionals, the place to find a sports or pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? I'm your host, Nara Wang, and for episode 72, I get to bring on the show Jared Sandler, pre- and post-game host for the Texas Rangers, sports talk show host for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, and most importantly, a fellow Trojan. Jared, welcome to the Everything USE podcast. Well, thanks for having me. You mean my Rangers work doesn't qualify me to talk USC football? Normally, it might not, but... The fact that you are a fellow USC alum qualifies you anytime. Yeah, well, it's something I'm sure you agree with me on this. I, I take a lot of pride in having gone to USC. And, you know, no matter how the football team's doing, that doesn't change. But it's been a lot of fun being able to follow the football team this year. I, Nara, I don't, I don't know when you graduated. I, I graduated in 2011, which means I started in 2007 which then means I missed the Matt Lyon at Reggie Bush era. And I grew up in Dallas. I did not grow up a USC fan. I was not rooting for USC necessarily during that time. I was just captivated by their dominance like a lot of folks. But this year has been the most special year as a USC fan since I started following the USC program religiously, which is 2007 uh, when John David Booty was at the helm as the team's quarterback. I'm just a little bit older than you. I graduated in 1998, so I got to be there for the worst four years of USC athletics, which I've detailed before on this show. Not the worst four years of football. I had Keyshawn Johnson, won a Cotton Bowl and a Rose Bowl my first two years in school, snapped the winless streak against Notre Dame, got to run around on the field at the Coliseum as a junior, and then I called the game at South Bend my senior year, but... It was the worst four years of athletics at USC, but we're going to talk about that another time, Jared, because (laughs) if you enjoy this podcast, you can find it wherever you get your favorite podcast. Subscribe, download, and rate it at Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, TuneIn, and more, or go right to the website, Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com on social media at Believe Network and at Believe Sports. For me, you can find and follow me on Twitter at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Jared, if the people want to catch up with you, with what you're doing, let them know. Where can they find you? Yeah, best place, Twitter, at Jared Sandler. Keeping it simple, just my name, J-A-R-E-D Sandler. The Everything USC podcast is brought to you by Bet Online where you'll find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. 
Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Every other year, USC football plays host to rival Notre Dame on Thanksgiving weekend, and regardless of the records or what may be at stake for either team, there are always heightened emotions that come along with that matchup. But when both teams are ranked, and at least one is vying for a chance to win a national title, it ratchets up the intensity to a level that is palpable in the crowd at the Coliseum, of which I was lucky enough to be a part of this past Saturday. Add in a transcendent player looking to show a national primetime television audience that he deserves to win the Heisman Trophy in quarterback Caleb Williams, and you get what transpired in the Trojans' 38-27 win over the Fighting Irish to take back the jeweled shillelagh. Williams, 18-22 for 232 yards and a touchdown, ran nine times for 35 yards and three touchdowns, punted twice for 84 yards. His first punt was the longest punt USC's had all season, a 58-yarder that went for a touchback. His second one was downed at the Notre Dame 10. They tried to get him a pass play to catch in the end zone from Mario Williams, but he ended up being called for pass interference. So they tried to get Caleb Williams his Heisman moment throughout that game, and he, for the most part, delivered. Austin Jones, again, playing as a starter now for the injured Travis Dye, 25 carries, 154 yards, added a 16-yard catch as well. Jordan Addison had the most receiving yards with 45 on three catches as Williams spread the ball around. Taj Washington had three for 34 and a touchdown. Mario Williams, four catches for 37 yards. On the defensive side, Tuli Tuipolotu, two tackles and a sack. Pedestrian numbers by his standards this season, but that sack did add his total to 12 and a half for the year to lead the country. Eric Gentry making his return to the starting lineup and playing well. Nine tackles, seven solo to lead the team. Also forced the fumble. That fumble was recovered by Raylan Goforth, who had five tackles of his own. Kalen Bullock, the sophomore safety with five tackles and an interception of Notre Dame quarterback Drew Pine, who was actually pretty hot in the game. He finished 23-26 for 318 yards and three touchdowns, but did throw that crucial interception. His biggest target, the guy I was worried about going into the game, the tight end Michael Mayer. Eight catches, 98 yards, and two touchdowns. And really, it seemed as if they could have gotten him the ball a lot more if they wanted to be more successful. Wide receiver Deion Colsey had a touchdown on three catches for 75 yards. But the running game that USC has had such a hard time stopping throughout the season, they did a pretty good job against the Fighting Irish. Audric Estime, six carries, 43 yards. Logan Diggs, 12 carries for 34 yards and a touchdown. So only 77 combined rushing yards from the top two Notre Dame runners. USC finished with 436 yards of total offense, Notre Dame with 408. So things were kind of close there. It was tense there at the Coliseum. You could feel the energy. Where did this game rank in the USC Notre Dame battles that you've seen throughout the years, Jared Sandler? Well, you know, I, I think you mentioned at the very beginning. You know, about how this rivalry is always significant, but even more so when the teams are both playing for something. And, you know, since 
my time, I, there just haven't been many of those those opportunities, many of those moments. And certainly that has not been the case this late in the year when USC and Notre Dame play and USC still has national championship possibilities. I guess maybe in 2008, pre-playoff, the year that USC lost that midweek game in Corvallis to Oregon State after a, a horrible first half and just couldn't overcome that. But in my opinion, arguably the best team in the country that year, but they didn't get into the playoff. You know, they needed to beat Notre Dame to at least keep the possibility there, but they were definitely playing from behind in that respect. Whereas, you know, by all accounts, the win against Notre Dame on Saturday was going to, you know, our assumption vault them into a top four spot and put them in the driver's seat to make the college football playoffs. So from that standpoint I, I don't know that this was the most exciting game when you take out the context uh, you know obviously yeah Caleb Williams probably cemented the Heisman but you mentioned no one had a game you know more than what well, Jordan Addison's receiving yard total which was pretty pedestrian it was just a nice well-rounded offensive performance from USC so from that standpoint it wasn't like there was this remarkable moment or anything like that but when you add the the magnitude of the game for me this was short of Notre Dame winning at USC in the last of our home game I attended as a student uh, in 2010 this was probably the most memorable Notre Dame USC clash the only other one I guess maybe being when Evan Sharpley was at the helm of Notre Dame and their program was just in such disarray and USC went to South Bend and won, I think it was 33 nothing, And it was just kind of, it was embarrassing for Notre Dame. And it was so out of character. But otherwise, this to me is the most memorable one just because of the national championship implications at stake. And Caleb Williams, Mr. Excitement. Sometimes you watch him run around and you're just thinking, I mean, just get rid of the ball. Come on, Caleb, just throw it away or do something. And he somehow makes a play happen. Now, I don't know if that's going to fly at the next level when he eventually gets to the NFL, but in your opinion, do you think there's any chance he doesn't win the Heisman Trophy? No, there's not. I mean, it would take a collapse tonight against Utah, and I don't even know who or what would have to uh, happen for someone to leapfrog him, but I, I just don't see it. I don't know how you could justify it any other way. You know, I'm located in the DFW Metroplex. The TCU story has been fun to follow, and Max Duggan's 2022 season has been really enjoyable to follow, in part because he wasn't even the starter to begin the year. And, and you'll get some TCU Homer fans say, well, it should be Max Duggan, and it shouldn't. I mean, Max Duggan doesn't have anything over Caleb Williams other than the fact that TCU is undefeated. And where you don't even really get me with that is the one loss, which was to Utah, Caleb Williams threw for nearly 400 yards and had five touchdowns and no interceptions. So it wasn't like he cost the team in that game. So I don't see any way in which Caleb Williams does not win the Heisman. It wasn't, you know, your typical passing game from Caleb on Saturday, but you know, the, the running ability, the three touchdowns, uh, you know, it'd be funny if someone cited the punts as uh, part of their decision. It, you know, it was just great to see him kind of, it was like Booby Miles, his, his uncle in the stands on Friday Night Lights saying, you know, he can do everything, rattling off the things he can do. But it's, 
if you watch Caleb Williams, you don't just look at the numbers. And I know so much of the Heisman discussion is numbers-based. But if you watch him, I just can't imagine there's been a more impressive thrower of the football in college football. And you, you mentioned his ability to extend plays. I mean, he's got eyes in the back of his head. He's got this incredible pocket presence and feel. And he's just been so special to watch. I, I always try and protect against hyperbole. And so I, I was really hesitant to say this at first, but I, I feel pretty comfortable in saying that he's the best player I have ever seen in a USC uniform out of the skill position plus quarterback players. Tyron Smith might have something to say about that if you include the linemen, but what Caleb Williams has done and what is a program rich with history and great players is right there at the top of the mountain. With that win, USC moved up to number four in the college football playoff standings and both the AP and coaches' polls. The last time SC started 11-1 was in 2008. They finished that season off with another win in the Rose Bowl over Penn State. Head coach Lincoln Riley matches Howard Jones in 1925 and John Robinson in 1976 for most wins by a USC coach in his debut season and he'll have a couple of opportunities to at least add to that and break the record. Did you expect this turnaround to be this quick under Lincoln Riley? Well, no, I didn't. You know, I was hopeful. Someone asked me this the other day, and I was hopeful that USC would be relevant in November, that they would be competing for a Pac-12 championship. I am surprised that they're playing for a chance to make the college football playoff. And You know, I got to watch a a decent amount of Caleb Williams last year. Again, living in DFW, OU is a big part of the conversation. And Caleb Williams was really, really good last year. I mean, what he did against Texas in the Red River rivalry was remarkable. But the Caleb Williams we saw last year and the Caleb Williams we are seeing this year just don't compare. And again, he was really good last year. But this is another level. And I I don't know that I could have predicted – that he was going to take that type of a leap, but it's been great. And I'll tell you, Nara, I'm sure you heard the same stuff again. You know, a lot of OU fans where I live and I am kind of, I don't want to say on an Island or USC folks everywhere, but certainly not more than UT fans and OU fans and tech and A&M and all that. And I was so excited when USC hired Lincoln Riley, as was, I'd imagine almost all, fans of USC football, but the immediate response from OU fans is, oh, (laughs) have fun with them, enjoy, you know, never being able to win the big game and blah, blah, blah. It was just so rich from, I guarantee you, would be begging for Lincoln Riley to come back right now. But what I told them was, and one of the lines was, enjoy a glorified QB coach. And listen, no disrespect to Clay Helton. He seems like an awesome human being, but unfortunately, awesome human beings don't always lead to awesome football teams. And no matter what you thought of Lincoln Riley, this was an indisputable upgrade. And there was no doubt that within two years that USC was going to be contending for a playoff spot. I just don't know that I could honestly sit here and tell you that I thought it was going to be in his very first year. Yeah, it has been stunning to me as well how quickly this team has become one of the elite teams and contending for a playoff. I would have been happy getting 10 wins, winning the Pac-12, going to the Rose Bowl. I would have considered that 
a smashing success, but instead there are now dreams of going to play for possibly a national championship. This is the Everything USC podcast on Believe. I'm Nara Wang. My guest today, Trojan alum, pre and post game host for the Texas Rangers down in Dallas. It's Jared Sandler on the show with me today. If you enjoy the show, you can find it wherever you get your favorite podcasts or go to our website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media at Believe Network and at Believe Sports. To catch up with me, I'm on Twitter at Narawang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Jared, where do the fans catch up with you? Yeah, at Jared Sandler on Twitter. J-A-R-E-D, and then Sandler, not to be confused with another USC alum, also named Jared Sandler, who is the nephew of Adam Sandler. But uh, I think he is I am Jared Sandler on Twitter, and I am simply at Jared Sandler on Twitter. This is Bernice O'Connor, USC Women's Warpole All-American, Katino Award winner, 2000 Olympic silver medalist, and you're listening to the Everything USC podcast with Nora Wang on the Believe Network. It's time now to talk about the big matchup as we record this on a Friday morning. It'll be Friday evening beginning at 5 p.m. Pacific time on Fox and also on the USC Trojans radio network flagship station KABC 790 AM. It's a rematch, the Pac-12 championship against the Utah Utes. The Utes come in ranked 11th in the college football playoff standings. They're 12th in both the AP and coaches' polls. They are coming off a blowout victory at Colorado, 63-21. Of course, they are coached by Kyle Winningham in his 18th year, having won nearly 68% of the games that he has been the head coach for. It's their second straight appearance in the Pac-12 title game and fourth in the last five seasons. They are just 1-3 against ranked teams this season, though. That win, of course, was against USC, which improved their record to 5-7 and seven all-time against the Trojans. SC does lead the all-time series still 13-8, and it's 6-5 and five since the Utes joined the Pac-12. And we have to recap that previous game, the 43-42 loss at Utah on October 15th. Cameron Rising scoring a one-yard touchdown run on fourth down with 48 seconds left in the fourth quarter to cap a 15-play, 75-yard drive. And then Whittingham decides to go for two, and Rising runs it in to give the Utes the win in the game that Utah honored the memory of Ty Jordan and Aaron Lowe with special helmets. So they were fired up that night in Salt Lake City to get the win, and It was the most points ever scored by the Utes against the Trojans for the second straight game in this series. USC led, though, by 14 points twice in the first half. A couple of questionable penalties hurt the Trojans and kept Utah drives going in that game. Addison and Gentry both got hurt for USC in that game. Caleb Williams had the five TD passes that you mentioned, but did get sacked four times. On the other side, Rising was brilliant, 30 of 44, 415 yards, two touchdowns, and led the team with 60 yards on the ground as well. And the guy who really destroyed the Trojans that day, Dalton Kincaid, the tight end, a career day, 16 catches, 234 yards, and a touchdown. SC was outgained for the only time this season. They had 
556 yards of total offense. Normally, that's good enough to win, but Utah had 562. Rising finishes the regular season, completing over 66% of his passes, 2,629 yards, 22 touchdowns to seven interceptions. Also ran for 391 yards and six touchdowns. Had that career-high 415 passing yards against SC. Their top running back, though, fifth-year junior Tavion Thomas, he decided that after suffering a toe injury against Oregon a couple of weeks ago, he will end his college career to focus on getting ready for the East-West Shrine game in the beginning of February and preparing for the NFL draft. So his 687 yards and seven touchdowns will not be available for the Utes, and instead they will rely on fourth-year sophomore running back Makai Bernard to step up. He had 386 yards and three touchdowns on the ground this year. Also a threat out of the backfield, catching it, 26 receptions, 265 yards, and a touchdown against SC back in October. He did run for 37 and score. And of course, Dalton Kincaid, can USC stop him better this time? He led the team with 66 catches, 850 yards, and eight touchdowns. The other top receiver for them, the sophomore Devon Vele, 50 catches, 595 yards, and five touchdowns on the season. He had 62 yards receiving on five catches and added a touchdown in that game against SC. On defense, a great secondary for the Utes, sophomore corner Clark Phillips III, named a finalist for the Jim Thorpe Award this week, had 23 tackles and six interceptions, which is tied for most in the nation, two of which he returned for touchdowns. And third-year sophomore strong safety Cole Bishop led the team with 68 tackles this year, six of those for loss, had a one and a half sacks, an interception, three pass breakups, two QB hurries, a fumble recovery. He can do it all. Fifth-year senior free safety RJ Hubert, second with 66 tackles. He had two interceptions, one of which he took to the house couple of pass breakups, couple of forced fumbles and fumble recoveries as well. And sophomore linebacker Karene Reed, 64 tackles, seven and a half for loss, four sacks and INT, also forced a fumble and recovered one. So when you look at this matchup, USC has been so great, leading the nation by a large margin in turnover margin. And I think they're going to have to keep that up. They got to win that takeaway battle again. They have to find a way to stop Cam Rising from running. He's a good passer, but he's more dangerous when he gets out in space and is able to run the ball. And unlike what they did against Notre Dame, I think they tried a little too hard to force a Heisman moment for Caleb Williams. Don't worry about getting Caleb the Heisman. I think he's got it locked up. Like you said, let's just win this football game. What do you think about this rematch, Jared? Well, I think a ton, and we could probably talk about it for an hour, but just you know, going back to that first matchup, you know, Utah is not an easy place to play. There was a little bit of an emotional advantage for Utah with you know, honoring uh, the former players who had passed. And then on the field, listen, I don't like to play the – Oh, you know, it got screwed because of a penalty game. Or if this one thing happened, then it's a different game because, you know, you can make that same case for the other side. But that that interception that was not, when Utah was driving, 
USC up 14-0 on one of those two horrific roughing the passer penalties. I mean, that changed the game. That gave Utah another life. They were on life support. The interception took place. USC, I mean, there was no reason to think they weren't just going to march down the field again and make it 21-0. But instead, Utah ends up scoring, and that totally changed the game. And I bring that up just because the turnovers have been such a big part of USC football this year defensively. I mean, look at the Notre Dame game. It wasn't like USC was outstanding defensively. I mean, heck, Drew Pine, who's not a special quarterback, what, he completed his first was it 13, 14, 15 passes, whatever, but they had, you know, the critical interception late. There's the fumble recovery that uh, well, Raylan Goforth recovered and Eric Gentry was a part of. And his return, by the way, just seems so crucial. But what stands out to me is that USC did something against Notre Dame I did not expect to say. And they, I thought they really won the trench battle on both sides of the ball. And I don't know that they're going to be able to do that with. Utah's offensive attack on the ground but if they can just take a step in the right direction there that would be huge because Dalton Kincaid I I mean I assume he's playing but you know he's dealt with a shoulder injury all year and then had an injury that forced him out of the Colorado game you know he seems banged up Cam Rising seems a little banged up you mentioned Otavion Thomas it just seems like the opportunity is there for USC defensively to do what they were not really able to do against Utah the first time around, and that was bend but not break enough. But then offensively, I, I think you you kind of hit the nail on the head what you were saying there at the end. Yeah, Caleb Williams might have just a monster game. It's very possible. He's a special player. USC has so many weapons for him to play with. We could look back tomorrow and say, my goodness, I mean, Caleb Williams just uh, blew our mind with how he played. But Utah struggles to stop the run. They're not very good stopping the run. And this is a, a, an opportunity for USC to protect their defense, allow their defense to get a rest, and do what they did so well against Notre Dame, and that's run the football. Austin Jones has acquitted himself really nicely. And you know I would not be surprised if he has another 100-plus yard game because, again, one of Utah's weaknesses, despite their physicality, has been stopping the run. You're exactly right. I think if USC can come with the same offensive fireworks they had in Salt Lake earlier, you would hope that the D will be able to make some adjustments and control that Utah offense to a certain extent and not let a Dalton Kincaid go off again. But it was encouraging to see USC play well in the trenches against Notre Dame, a team that most people figured would come in and be able to run the ball on USC, a team that has had so much trouble stopping teams from running the ball on them all season. So we look forward to seeing this game tonight in Las Vegas between the Utes and the Trojans. So it's time for us to get to our predictions to see what we think is going to happen in Allegiant Stadium between USC and Utah. So to recap, last Week's predictions and how the season's going for me against my guests. Right now, I have a 14, 10, and 5 lead against the guests that I've had throughout the season making predictions. Last show, I had former USC women's basketball standout and WNBA player Jackie Jamelos on, and we tied. We got one pick each right, and then one we didn't get. So 
to recap what we did in the players that we believed in. I had taken Caleb Williams the week before, so I decided to go with Austin Jones in this one, and he had a very, very good game. Jackie, of course, pounced on the opportunity to take Caleb Williams, and so she wins the players that we believe in. In the game score with SC a five-point favorite, I picked 37-30 Trojans. She went with 31-16 USC, trying to reverse the score from the year before, and with the 38-27 win, I took the win there. And then in our prop bet, Nara's no-doubter was that there would be a blocked kick or punt in the game, and that did not happen. And Jackie's gem was that Caleb Williams would throw for at least two touchdowns, and of course, he only had the one touchdown pass, so neither of us got the prop bet. So let's get into it. The players that we believe in, who's going to be the best Trojan in Las Vegas tonight, and Again, the easy pick every week is Kayla Williams. He should maybe be ineligible to be picked at this point, but I'm not going to pick him. I'm going to go with the receiver, Jordan Addison, as the player I believe in. I think he needs to have a big game for USC to win. Jared Sandler, who are you going with as the player that you believe in? Yes, let's see if I do this right. The player I believe in, I will also not take Caleb Williams just because that seems too easy. I'm going to go with Austin Jones. I, I really think that it's going to be a game or there's an opportunity for him to have a big game on the ground. I think he's done such a nice job. I think the line has done well. So I will go with Austin Jones as the player I believe in for tonight's game. All right. So both going with offensive players, not named Caleb Williams. And in the game score, I will let you go first. I should mention that our sponsor, Bet Online, which had USC as a three-point favorite most of the week. As we record this, though, on Friday morning, it is two and a half points USC favored. So, Jared, who's winning and what is the score going to be? I'm going to go with USC 41 to 28. I think it's a close game. I don't think it's a 13-point win in which they control the game. I think it's a close game, but then USC gets a, a stop late and then punches it in to get a little breathing room. I go with USC 41-28. Jared taking 41-28 Trojans. I've got it closer than that. I think it is going to be tight. I think all of the Trojan fans out there are going to be holding their breaths for most of this game. I've got it 38-34 Trojans getting the victory in the rematch and solidifying their spot into the college football playoff top four. So I've got a four-point margin. You've got it a little bit bigger than that, Jared. So we will see who will be right. I'm going to hope that you're right, actually, on that one, because I would like a more comfortable win. And (laughs) in the prop bet, Nara's no doubter this week. I'm going to go with the same thing that I picked in the very first game of the season against Rice and hope that I'm going to be right like I was back then. I think that there will be a defensive or special teams touchdown scored in the game. It might be by Utah, might be by USC, but I think there will be a defensive or special teams touchdown in the Pac-12 title game. Jared, what is your pick and what are you calling it? Oh, uh, Sandler's sure thing. I don't know that that is, does that qualify or do I need something more alliterative? No, that sounds good to me. Sandler's sure thing. Let's go with it. So I don't know what Bet Online has for Austin Jones rushing yard total, 
but I'm seeing, you know, somewhere around 90 and I'm going to take the over on that. Although that seems pretty straightforward. You, you put yourself out there last week with the block kick and this week with the defensive touchdown. I almost feel bad that I'm just going with something really straightforward. So if I'm going to go with a crazy one, I will go with Mario Williams to drop a century mark with at least two touchdowns. So it's kind of counter to my you know, pick of Austin Jones being the player I believe in. But I guess I'm hedging. You went with Jordan Addison. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give myself an opportunity to kind of have a second dart to throw by telling you that Mario Williams, 100 yards, two-plus touchdowns. I'm not going to say it's my sure thing. It's my it could happen, and if it does, I'm going to take full credit for it thing. All right, so Sandler's sure thing, which is really a it could happen thing, is that Mario Williams is going to have at least 100 yards receiving and at least two touchdowns in the game. And listen, some people will like to double up and double down on the player they believe in with the prop bet as well, but you're going to split it up. So there's two ways to do it. The strategy, you never know how it's going to work. So we will see. No, I, I, my, my primary, my sure thing is Austin Jones over 90 rushing yards or whatever the bet online number is at this time. I will take the over on that. But I just feel guilty because that's very straightforward. And you kind of, you know, you, you roll the dice a little bit. And so if I'm going to get on your level and be as courageous as you are with my pick, I would then shift to the Mario Williams pick. But if you just want my sure thing, if you're going to take sound gambling advice, I don't want you to lose all your money on my it might happen pick. I'm going to say you should not put the house on it, but you could put some clams on Austin Jones over rushing guards. So maybe a dual pick for you here. You have a sure thing and a maybe thing. Yeah, can I do that? Am I, I hope I'm not breaking any rules. I'm the guest here. I shouldn't be setting the own, my own rules here. No, it's okay. And basically, if you get both of them right, then I might give you a bonus point that how about that okay yeah that works i like bonus points all right so to recap our picks the players that we believe in i'm going with wide receiver jordan addison jared sandler is going to take the running back austin jones in our game score pick i've got usc winning it 38 34 just barely covering the two and a half point spread jared 41 28 usc and in our prop bet nara's no doubter a defensive or special teams touchdown will be scored. And Jared's sure thing, Austin Jones, 90-plus rushing yards. And Jared's maybe thing, Mario Williams, 100-plus receiving yards and two-plus touchdowns. So we'll see how that will occur in the Pac-12 title game tonight. Thanks for joining us here on the Everything USC podcast on Believe. I'm your host, Nara Wang. My guest today the pre- and post-game host for the Texas Rangers, a sports talk show host for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, and, of course, a proud USC alum, Jared Sandler. If you enjoy listening to this show, you can subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, TuneIn, and many more. Or go right to the website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Network and at Believe Sports. To catch up with me, I am on Twitter at NaraWengSports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Jared, how can the people catch up with you? Just at my name, at Jared Sandler on Twitter. Hello, everybody. This is Petros Papadakis, and you're listening to the Believe Network.
and the Everything USC podcast with Nara Wang. Fight on. And in the final segment, as I've been doing all football season, I have my guests give their reaction to the news that broke at the end of June about USC and UCLA deciding to leave the Pac-12 and go to the Big Ten Conference beginning in 2024. So, Jared, when you heard the news out there in Texas, how surprised were you to hear about it? And do you think it's the right decision for both schools? Yeah, I mean, I definitely didn't see it coming in that you know period of time. I got a sense that you know with the new administration or the athletic administration at USC, a more forward-thinking group that they were looking for ways to put USC in the best position to succeed. And you know, unfortunately, I think the Pac-12. You know, we were talking off-air. The analogy I'd use is kind of like the Titanic. You know, it's a, a sinking ship and. You know, USC and UCLA are the first ones to try and jump on a, you know, a life raft to save themselves. And, you know, it's not to say that the other schools are just going to fizzle out. But I think with USC and UCLA, they're jumping to a conference that is in a much better place financially. The member schools will profit way more. And unfortunately, the Pac-12 was, you know, so poorly managed by Larry Scott, the former commissioner, that it put schools in a position to have to make a choice and you know whether they went the route that USC or UCLA you know have decided to go or, or will in the future it's really unfortunate because you know conferences are kind of getting diluted geographically but the cool thing about the Pac-12 is that they're all kind of more or less in the same part of the country and you got so many rivalries and you know I think for football it's not as big of a deal yeah the rivalries are, are going to go by the wayside but you're going to a conference with a lot of incredible programs. I think about some of the other sports. I think about, you know, baseball. I, I spent a lot of time with the baseball program at USC and some of those rivalries that take place that you're not going to be able to recreate. So I think it's unfortunate for a lot of the non-revenue generating sports. I think it's unfortunate for basketball as well. But, you know, I think for football, it's a football's king. And I think it's the necessary evil, if you will, for them to make that decision. In all of the conference realignment moves over the years, it's all about two things. It's about football and it's about TV money. And obviously, this is going to be a boon for USC in the TV deal that the Big Ten just signed. And we know that the Pac-12 is in negotiations now to get a new deal. It's obviously not going to be as good as what they're going to get out of the Big Ten. But... We're headed towards super conferences or some kind of tier where college football is on its own island. And I would like to see us get there quicker because then maybe you can avoid this type of thing where all of the other sports have to leave the Pac-12 and go to the Big Ten as well, where it may not make as much sense compared to football, which is a once a week sport. And it's going to be interesting to see how those other sports transition into the Big Ten. But when you're talking about the Pac-12, can you consider the Pac-12 a power conference without SC and UCLA? And are there any moves they can make to remain in that upper tier? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what schools who would provide the type of value from the business standpoint, because that's what it comes down to. It's a, you know, you talk about the TV deals. The TV deals are huge. It helps elevate the conferences because it helps give these member schools the types of funds that allow them to really separate themselves. I don't know that there are schools out there who are 
quote-unquote free agents for that sort of thing. I guess I think about the Big East you know, when they lost some of their premier programs and now it's you know the AAC or what have you. And it's uh, I don't think that the Pac-12 is going to be on that level. I mean, I think, honestly, with USC and UCLA, again, this goes back to Larry Scott and his mismanagement and, and a horrible TV deal and whatnot. I mean, yes, the Pac-12 is, and, and, you know, with UCLA and USC will remain a power conference, but not by much. I mean, they're definitely the first one out. You know, you, you want to use bracketology language, last four in, last four out. The Pac-12 of the power conferences, the power five, they're the first ones out. Because, again, football rules all. And, and the Pac-12 had a really good year on the football field. But still, in general, I don't know how they can survive without their main brand. USC is the brand of the Pac-12 more so than Oregon, more so than Stanford, pick a school. And I think it's just going to be awfully tough from a TV deal standpoint, losing that brand to remain a power conference. Maybe they still are considered a power conference. I don't know, but it's going to be an incredibly weak power conference. And I think you will have a not so challenging time possibly picking a non-power conference in football and a non-power conference in basketball and saying, you know what, they're better than the Pac-12 in, you know, whatever sport. And not that they're going to have the TV deal, but I don't know that the Pac-12 is going to get that type of respect, nor do I feel that they should get that type of consideration with those two schools bolting. And of course, with the news this week that the Rose Bowl is going to be on board with the new 12-team playoff, which may be making its debut in 2024, maybe these power conferences, Power 5, Group of 5, that might all be going away with the fact that the top six conference champions will get automatic bids and then there'll be six at larges so the college football landscape is of course changing as we speak and we never know what the next domino to fall is going to be but jared it's been great getting to talk to you and having a fellow trojan here on the everything usc podcast hey thanks so much for having me looking forward to watching our alma mater play for a chance to be in the college football playoff for the first time it's really exciting and Love getting the chance to talk to you about it here today. For my guest, Jared Sandler, I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for episode 72 of the Everything USC podcast, presented by Bet Online on Believe, the number one content network for professionals, the place to find a sports or pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? And as I end every show, please remember to fight on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.